1: Welcome to WTA Weekly. It's Madrid Open. Um, I am your host, Nick Carter, and I'm here very grateful to be joined by um, the very reputable Vanch Vermani. Vanch, how are you doing this fine day?
0: Reputable is an interesting word, Nick, but I'm really happy to be here uh, <laughs> to talk a- about Madrid because it's been exciting so far.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And um, I do mean it as a good reputation, Vunch, Don't worry. Um, despite um, people who might um, knock you down for having incorrect predictions, I just find it hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, At least they care. So that's a good thing.
1: If something like that. Um, we'll call it caring in, in, in Twitter's own special way. Um we will be taking your questions and showing your comments on the live stream. So if you're watching us on Facebook or Twitch or YouTube, um go for it. Um we uh will definitely we'll show any comments uh and questions you have on screen. Um this is not just about um us having a chat, this is about you having a talk with us as well. Um but starting with the most pressing question of the night, yes I have. I'm glad someone noticed um i i make an effort for you guys i make an effort
0: you you look good nick
1: (laughs) and that's that's the ego stroking i need today (laughs) right so what i thought we would do today is um kind of see where we are in the draw and um talk through the big stories that have been happening um and um what i thought uh, would be interesting is going from kind of the the number two end of the draw up to the number one end for rather than the other way around. Because usually we start at the top and work our way down uh, when we do kind of draw analysis and look at kind of the big stories um that have come building into um the four, um, the first three rounds of Madrid, because first three rounds of the women's draw are now complete. Um and um round four begins tomorrow. Um are you okay with that idea, Vance?
0: Yeah, sounds good. First three rounds are done. So uh it's a good time to recap
1: that yeah let's recap it all right so i'm going to share my screen um it is of wikipedia but it's going to be of the uh um women's draw in madrid and we're going to have a look at that so um hopefully you guys can see this all right on screen um but there you go so here we go first section um and um we've got we had some interesting results here i think it's appropriate to start here not just because it's kind of one end of the draw, but also probably because it contains the biggest story of Madrid, I would say, in the moon's draw. Mira Andreva, um, the now 16-year-old, turned 16 yesterday and celebrated by beating Magda the number 17 seed, um, top 20 player, Australian Open semifinals this year. Made her name um, by beating Jebeu in round one of Roland Garros last year. So no slouch. Um, Clearly also beating Von Drusseva, who's a uh, former Roland Garros finalist. And uh, we, uh, and yeah. So what are your thoughts on Mira Andreeva? And how does she have the game as a 16-year-old to get her to the fourth round of a 1000 tournament?
0: Yeah, it's been a very impressive run and rise for her this year. Um, she's the junior. Obviously, she played in the Australian Open juniors this year, and um, I had heard a little bit about her then. She was kind of on my radar as a potential player who could do some big things, but it, this happened very quickly, um, much quicker than I had actually expected, and she's obviously carrying a lot of momentum. And when you win two WTA ITFs, albeit at the yeah W60 level, it's still, uh, you know, there was still quite some good competition in there, and she beat some, some, some good seasoned veterans, I would say, in those two weeks. And she's got um, now three wins under her belt here in Madrid. And what struck me is um, she has a pretty complete repertoire in her uh, of her game. I mean, I really like her backhand. I think she does she does some great things with it, um, both in terms of absorbing pace and redirecting. Uh, but also, she has a pretty versatile forehand. I like the loopy forehand that she has on clay. Just buys herself a little bit of extra time. She doesn't look very rushed. And in these um, altitude conditions, she's really able to hit through them and I think uh, Im- impose herself. And she obviously has nothing to lose against a lot of these top players. And um, particularly against Fernandez, you could see Leyla was quite stressed in some of the early stages of the match because she was really bringing in the heat um, was Mira on both mm-hmm. ground strokes. and so far she's sort of been able to play with that fearless abandon in the last three rounds and it's been impressive to watch. I'm interested to see how the Sabalenka match goes. That's obviously a much bigger test. Sabalenka being the twenty twenty one Madrid Open Champion and of course um the best player this year in terms of the race and um so that that's gonna be a certainly a different test than than the net, a lot more firepower. But uh it's it's been interesting to see and she has quite a good cool personality as well. Uh it's talking about how beautiful Andy Murray looks in that <laughs> tennis channel post that really, I think, did the rounds on the internet. So that was, that was funny.
1: Yeah, the Andy Murray fandoms now adopted her officially. Um, like that yeah. tweet, kind of. I think once it got round a few of the bigger Murray fan accounts, um, it really got kind of momentum. And I think, um, look, um, if I, look, I, I don't know if you saw Murray's tweet um in response to when he he actually <laughs> retweeted the video and he said yeah. he, she needs to get her eyes fixed which i thought was just a brilliantly andy murray response uh to that whole thing um,
0: yes. um classic andy murray on twitter <laughs>
1: oh yeah um nico's highlighted an interesting comment i hadn't realized that and Finance were the top two ranked lefties in the wta tour right now
0: yeah that's interesting actually um yeah both are pretty 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 good wins. I mean, it's even hadad Maya, who um, has been pretty consistent I would say week to week on the WTA and obviously made a 1000 final just last year so
1: yeah I I, I pretty would pretty say like stuff. so I, I I didn't manage to watch all of the matches like um definitely she seemed to frustrate Fernandez. had Maya, she just seemed to absorb everything the Brazilian threw at her. her resilience was incredible same against Lynette. Um, just able to rally with both players and then frustrate them into making errors. Uh, I agree with you that overall um, it's, it's all around pretty solid already by 16. The backhand is worth noting as well. Um, almost very complete. The forehand seems to work very well on clay. I'd be interested to see how it does on a, against an elite hardcore player and what you know if she is able to hit with variety because at the moment it does remind me a little bit of goff forehand maybe in terms of the loop i'm not i'm not an expert enough to notice grips or swings or anything like that um but in many ways you know I was, I was comparing it to these results to goff's run at wimbledon in 2019 at a similar age um this might arguably be more impressive even if the tournament's not as high profile
0: yeah, it's interesting. I remember that uh, golf run in twenty nineteen. She obviously beat Venus Williams and then beat a couple of players that were like, okay, that's uh, that seems. I think the more impressive thing about that golf run was just the poison maturity that golf had at that age. Whereas this one is more like, I think uh, because it's not happening in a major, in a way, it's kind of good for Mira. So she's not able. She, they're not really. I don't really see many people drawing those Serena Williams comparisons. Let's let's say or yeah you know projecting massive things for her so she can go a little bit more under the radar than she would i guess in a bigger tournament so that's that's kind of good for her i would say um, I, it was I, very I, difficult I to avoid those comparisons with golf um because yeah i mean trying to be the next serena williams is a really tough building to live up to yeah. at that age and that's just a lot of pressure that's,
1: yeah i agree and actually i think golf is probably a safer comparison because we still don't know what Goff will achieve in her career. Um, whereas immediately going to someone like Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Martina Hingis, um, people who found success very, very early on in their careers, as was far more common 20, 30 years ago. No, not so much. I think I saw someone in the chat mention Nicole Vydasova as another um, potential comparison point. Um, uh, hopefully um, Andreva, um has a little bit more uh, success. and um, I think the only thing that's gonna be uh more of a problem um for Andreva like any young player is how susceptible she is to injury because we've seen that derail um a few people's careers. Um remember Anna Konyu bursting onto the scene doing amazingly well. Amanda over less injury more just a lot of really bad things happening in her life um kind of all coming at once. Yeah. Um so I think we're right to hype her up as a very, very talented player, um, but I'm trying not to make any s- predictions of how she's going to do. I'm just excited to see her bring those same, this same fearlessness against Sabalenka because she probably will.
0: Yeah, she certainly has... She She's certainly actually reminding me of a lot of other youngsters from the Czech Republic more so, like the Frivortova mm-hmm. sisters. She also has a an older sibling. Uh, erica i believe who's yes. like three years older than her
1: they're actually playing um, in the doubles at the minute they and... they actually won their doubles match so they've actually got i think i don't know how they're doing at the minute um but when i checked on saturday or yesterday um they'd actually gotten to the second round of the doubles and they were playing a very good pairing yep. potentially in the last 16 but that's again good week good week for um andreva in both but yeah, Eric is making her way up. The it's thinking. interesting
0: you also mentioned the. It's interesting you also mentioned the forehand, because I also yeah. have some questions about how that shot will hold up, on the faster surfaces. So far, the grip the grip doesn't seem as extreme to me. It's kind of somewhere in between, like a normal semi-western to, maybe a bit more western on western side. So you wonder how um if she'll be able to, like create pace with it. Like, will she be rushed? Will she be able to have enough racket head speed? Like when the pressure is kind of on, and she's higher up in the rankings, and people expect more of her. But for now, I think she can just enjoy this run, and uh, she um, cer- certainly the yeah the Sabalenko will be a very interesting test because all the pressure is on Arena in that situation. And uh, I actually know that uh, the Andriva sisters, both of them, are actually working with Coco Goff's old coach. Oh wow! Um, the one bef- the one before Diego Moyano actually.
1: Okay. Um, interesting. I think
0: the last name is Foral.
1: We know how, yeah. how good a job thing he is did.
0: Full. I don't know what the question is. Yes. We know how good a job he did getting got in the, the big the time really years. early. Yep,
1: absolutely. Um, and maybe, you know, fewer obvious weaknesses to work with. Um, talking about okay, before we round, I think for me, looking at this section before we move on, I'd say there's two story, two other stories from this section. Um then they both kind of dovetailed together. Um, let's talk about Arena Sabalenka. Um, she's had two straight sets wins. Neither of them were massively straightforward. Castella had a couple of interesting momentum shifts in that match. Osorio put up a real fight. There were some really good rallies in that one. Um, she's definitely she's definitely had a tough draw. I don't know if it's be- I do- I wouldn't say it's because Sabalenka's been off. I think she's just been playing two very motivated opponents. Uh, but what have your thoughts been on Sabalenka so far?
0: Yeah, I think she's she's done well to get her get herself in good positions. Uh, but then she's t- towards the end of the match, she sort of um, let her opponents back in a little bit, to where they start having a little bit more belief. Particularly the Osorio match, she was double break up in that second set, and then things started to get a little bit more complicated for her. Um, just maybe some of the hitches back, some of the things in the serve, um, not quite as loose. But I think it's. It's fairly normal. I would say in some of these early rounds, you're still getting used to the conditions. Obviously, she played kristea who'd already won a match before. And kristea is an opponent who beat her in Miami. So maybe some of that was also playing in her mind. Um, and Osorio is a tricky player with a lot of variety. Did a great job beating Kostyuk the round before. And uh, yeah, I imagine she's actually going to enjoy the clay a lot more Osorio, early, uh, later on in her career, um, especially with all her variety and slices and uh, some some shots that can be foils for top players. So I think uh, it was a good test for Irina. And uh, it's going to start getting tougher, I would say, from from here on. But uh, but she certainly likes these courts. She's well-suited to these conditions. Uh, in altitude, she's won here before. Played a great match against Ash Barty two years ago mm. uh, in the final. And um, I, I expect her to go pretty, pretty deep this week.
1: Yeah, so do I. I, I don't see many people... Um, who could stop her? And we'll work through the draw, and that uh, we might spot someone who could be a threat by sort of quarterfinal, semi final stage. I'm not expecting Andreeva to stop her. That would be amazing. Um, but uh, unlikely, I would say. Um, although um, Nico's saying, asking, going back to Andreeva, um, hypothetically, if Mira beats SABs and Igor on route to a Madrid at trophy, would that equal Eclipse Emma 2021 US Open run? in terms of people you beat so. no in terms of people you beat maybe but in terms of the the scale of the title involved no
0: yeah yes and you know having gone through qualies winning 10 matches in a row like that the score lines it's pretty hard to like top that off i would say uh but yeah because that's kind of one of the more once in a lifetime stories that i've ever seen in in any sport it's like one of the most improbable runs to a title ever which um,
1: as a Brit i yeah. enjoyed and i enjoyed the hype that it generated over here um in that um mm-hmm. so yeah i i agree i think nothing's going to quite match that moment um we talked a bit about asario um i i say she's the other kind of one to watch i agree with you i think she's going to be she's much more of a clay or a slow hardcore player that kosciuk win was really good. Um, and again, she put up a really decent fight against Savalenka. So I would say she's kind of the last story from, from this section um, as maybe someone kind of noteworthy um, and maybe building a little bit of momentum and confidence coming out of Madrid, even if she's not in the last 16. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's look at section seven. So um, this is an interesting one. Um, let's see. Let's see. Make sure I've got this all in frame. Um Yep. So couple of interesting stories from here. Um, not least the exit of two top ten players before the last sixteen. Um Kvitova, former champion, not a massive surprise. We know how hot and cold she can be, and Nimaya had the game to potentially blow her off court if she was off. Um Garcia losing to Sharif. I didn't see that one coming.
0: Yeah, I didn't either. Caroline Garcia has looked a little bit stressed to me this year and when you're stressed it's hard to play the game that you that she played last year where she's we know how ultra aggressive she is on returns especially second serve returns and how much of that aggressive game style that she has coming forward big serving Um, some of that is she's just prone to a bit more ups and downs I would say the last few weeks she's done well like she's gone into two finals she's done well to sort of be in that top 12 range i would say this year but Mm -hmm. nothing too crazy for her and uh this this match kind of reminded me a little bit of the Lynette one at the australian open where garcia had some chances in that first set didn't quite close it let sharif who's a real fighter get back into it and um sharif obviously has some good amount of success on clay i was surprised Mm -hmm. that it was here in madrid personally um didn't seem I didn't, didn't really have that on my bingo card. I thought uh, Garcia would probably get at least to the fourth round here, but so that one was a little bit surprising. And then Kavita, obviously uh, coming off the Miami title, uh, I thought you know Madrid has obviously been an, always a great surface for her, and she's won this thing three times, and she has a thirty-two and ten record. It's like by far her best Masters event, um, and perhaps it was it's just a tough ask because it was a first match in over a month. And Niemeyer's mm. obviously a very quality opponent. So, um, I, And I knew once she lost that first set, it was going to be tricky to uh, for anybody to come back in that situation.
1: Yeah, is an interesting player to me, actually, um, because I think she kind of hit the radar by going to the fourth round of the US Open, getting that set off Igor Fiontech, um, really frustrating her, and then doing that a little bit again in Australia. Um, she seems to be of that kind of... Ostapenko Samson of a vibe of hit big and go for broke. Um but yeah. makes it work half the time um at the minute. Um do you see a scenario where she could make it work more often? Get a bit further up?
0: Um, probably not. She's more of like a like a, it that kind of game that she has is pretty good to work for about two or three rounds, I would say. But I struggle to see a world where she puts it consistently, let's say, for like five or six or seven matches in a row. Okay. Uh, just because it is kind of very hot and cold every day and there's not a whole lot of margin. Um, she does hit She does hit pretty big, but she doesn't have like that safety uh, on both ground strokes. And she kind of uh, has to like redline her tennis a lot of the time. Um, even against Kavitova. she sort of hit a new level in the second set. But Kvitova really... Dipped quite a bit, and w- when she was playing against Mertens, for example, that was a better test for me to gauge. And Mertens was just so solid, so consistent, like making forcing Niemeyer to hit several shots and defend. And I don't really think any of those are particularly Niemeyer's strengths. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. She's she's a little bit sort of in that um even someone like an Alexandrova or like um Jill teichman kind of players where I'm not sure what they're gonna do be, produce week to week. Even Samsonova, as great as she is, it's. Uh, it, it, it's hard to really know whether these guys' floors are week to week. I would say, yeah. But uh, she certainly likes the faster courts and faster conditions. So maybe if she's going to have results, it's a lot of the time going to be in those er, those surfaces and courts.
1: I would agree. Yes. Yeah. So maybe watch out for her on the grass. That would be very interesting. I mm-hmm. think if she puts it all together, yeah,
0: quarterfinalist. I think. Are, I think yes. So Quarterfinals at
1: Wimbledon. I forgot about that. Um. Yeah in, yeah, in my mind, if she put it all together, she could have been in that semi-final instead of Tatiana Maria.
0: Right. Which
1: would have been, a well, I I think the Maria-Jabert match was more interesting because of kind of the story and the friendship there. Um, but it wouldn't seem to see what Nimai could have brought into that semi-final. Probably a lot of nerves. Um, Elise Mertens seems to be having a bit of a more consistent year, a bit better. Um Again, looking a bit more solid, kind of back to where we expect her to be, sort of solid top 20, top 30. Um, has a really good opportunity to get a quarterfinal um, in in Madrid, not knocking Maya Sharif. She could pull something off, but as you said, this doesn't seem to be the kind of clay she would you would expect her to do well in, whereas Mertens, I think, has got a bit more history at this tournament. Um, so yeah, she can bank a 1,000 quarterfinal, that. That would be a nice result for uh, for Mertens.
0: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy
1: cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become,
0: Senwa Saga? Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, Mertens has definitely uh, shown a bit more consistency, I would say, this year, and she's made um, she's made uh, you know quarterfinals and semifinals of big tournaments before. And I seem to remember her having decent results on the clay uh, in the past. And I think uh, this is a good good chance for her to play her former doubles partner. In the quarterfinals, most likely.
1: Oh yes, they won a slam title together, didn't they?
0: Yeah.
1: And Sabalenka. They, oh,
0: that. Yeah, I believe they won the U.S. Open in 2019. Uh, oh, I thought together. it was the
1: Aussie. No, I've, I've got to go with you on that. And then, um,
0: and then they also won the Australian. So that was. Yeah. So that yeah, they've won two titles together in doubles. That's that's pretty cool, actually.
1: Yeah. Um, Sabalenka doubles champion before. Winning the singles. Good example there. Um, yeah, Mertens, Merton Sabalenka would be interesting, but I think given how well they know each other and how well Sabalenka is playing right now, Sabalenka would probably have the edge in that clash.
0: Yeah, and uh, and just like Sabalenka won the title a couple of years ago, she also played Mertens in the, in the quarterfinal that year. So mm-hmm. this would kind of be a repeat of that um, if they were to meet. All right.
1: So, let's have a look at this section of the draw. Um, oh gosh, that's a little bit cut off at the top. Um, I think, for me, there's not a massive amount of big stories here. Um, obviously, good on the reader Kabilia Begu for making it this far. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I think, obviously, she's in the section, this is the section where Anzabir pulled out from. Um I think probably the most notable win for her was that a match. I thought this was an opportunity given of is quite comfortable in Madrid and she did, she got a good showing here last year while she was originally coming back from injury. She might've been the one taking advantage of the situation, but Begoos is an experienced player. Um, so I'm not surprised that she, she did all right. Um, she did all right here. Um, I think the other things that I kind of spotted here are um, Ostapenko currently doing what she's doing so far this year, which is starting the tournament absolutely blinder by beating Linda Frivitova and then having an absolutely appalling performance in the very next match. And I think that's basically been her story of 2023 of blinding start, shocking second match. Um, because I was not like, this is not a knock on Samsonova but I don't see her as a clay court player and I thought Ostapenko should have had an advantage in that match and clearly did not have I was marking that down as an interesting one um but clearly um would had a shocker on that day
0: yeah very shocking it was it was a really disastrous performance i would say she so wasn't able to find the court at all and uh yeah the other surprise for me in this one was also Kenin uh in the first the first match i thought that was maybe a an opportunity for her to go, go a bit further. She's been doing well this year in terms of pushing some top players in early rounds. Um, but this was a, a more surprising scoreline. Uh, I thought I didn't I didn't get to I didn't actually watch this match, but um, not the delight to be honest. Yeah, it was in Um but uh but yeah, Samsonova and Begu in the fourth round. That should be should be kind of interesting, and just like you, I expected uh Mokova to have a good shot in this section particularly uh, but the tricky thing with Makova is all the start and stops that she's had to do so far in her career particularly the last two years if we could just just get her healthy and staying on tour for a long time i think certainly has that top 15 top 10 potential
1: yeah completely agree um i I always keep an eye out for wimbledon she was as well there um Good to spot Kennan as well. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, that's a little bit underperformance considering it looked like Kennan might be getting her mojo back. But hey, maybe she you, you never know with Kennan because you know she came into Ron Garrison 2020 with a six love, six love loss to Azarenka on clay and still right. the finals. So, um, let's see how she does in Rome, what kind of momentum she builds there, um, what kind of opponent she gets because I mean. Um, yeah, I, I don't know really what to comment on Senevska. Um, I don't know her as a player that well. Um, I think if I'm going to make a call on who I think is going to win that one, I think it's pretty tough. Sam, the Madrid conditions are uh, pretty um, favourable to Sam but on the other hand, Begu is the more comfortable clay court player. I might edge towards Begu, given of may have been had been let off a little bit easy and maybe a little bit cold um that's that's just kind of gut instinct though in terms of who i think is probably going to be more likely quarter finalist
0: yeah um you could certainly be right i think this is the if there's a click or that samson was going to enjoy i think it would be this one just uh, the power she has in the big surf but yes and stuttgart as well where last year before she pushed Tech to the brink mm.
1: um
0: Probably the toughest match Fiontek played in that thirty-seven match win streak, of hers, um, was in that Stuttgart semifinals. So, uh, but certainly these conditions, you know, they also these these I must say Madrid also has a little bit of an indoor vibe to it. Uh, whether it's just the acoustics in the stadium or just the covers like in the stands, and uh, sometimes the roof is actually like closed, uh, and it, there's like, you know, the ceiling is like. The, you can hear like the echoes in the stadium, and it feels very much faster indoor clay with a higher bounce. And sometimes that affects certain players. Uh, in a like fast court players tend to do really well here, like the likes of Kovitova, Sabalenka, Samsonova players, players like that. You would expect who are not necessarily the most natural movers on clay, and they can sort of treat it almost like a hard court. And I think uh, it bodes well for. For them. So I'd like to see Samsonova in the quarters, but um Begu is very tricky. Like she's always extremely good defensively, and she gets a lot of balls back in play, and she's makes you always earn every single point. So I think that that'll be an interesting test. Hmm.
1: All right, last section of this half of the draw. Um I commentated on Goth versus Badossa. And before the match, I said if Badossa was healthy, she's gonna be the favourite against Goff, because I felt that Badossa was coming in with a little yeah. bit more confidence. Um, I didn't feel like this was the kind of event that um, Goff would be super comfortable at, was going to have the crowd support. Um, it just felt like momentum was a little bit behind Badossa. The only question was, might have been she injured against um, um That's what I've so I was kind of seeing. Um, but once Badossa hit her stride, Goff went all over the place and... Um, really was not effective, and Badossa was just finding ways to disrupt her. Goff was making a lot of errors on the forehand. Uh, I think this is probably, for me, the main story is the Badossa goff clash not being as close as I thought it would be. I think one of our viewers actually predicted a 6-3, 6-4 result and got it half right because no one predicted the way Goff kind of fell off in that second set. Although I will say my summary after that match was Badossa was probably um making Goff play like that. And I would kind of call it her victory rather than Goff's loss. But yeah, what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts after that match?
0: Yeah, I think you're right, kind of explaining the trajectory of how the match went. I thought in the beginning Goff was actually hanging in there for the first three or four games and, you know, had a, even had a breakpoint chance to go up a break in the first set. And yeah. I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a pretty competitive match and, you know, we're going to see. And I, I also had Bedosa winning it pre-tournament as well. I just felt like the confidence. Bedosa has been playing really well all year, but she's just had really tough draws and I think hasn't played uh, someone like ranked higher than 13 or like mm-hmm. hasn't really been able to settle into any of these draws because she's like, she had match points against Rubakina, lost to her twice, then lost, to, lost a really tight one to Sabalenka. So I felt like she was she was due for a big result like this. Um, and she started out, you know, Goff started out, I, I would say, pretty pretty well, but then after that, Bedosev kind of figured out the strategy, which was hit a lot of balls down the middle, deep, force Goff into hitting, hitting forehands, not even necessarily rushing Goff's forehand, because Goff's forehand was just breaking down without even being rushed in this match, and I think that was the frustrating thing if you're a Coco Goff fan watching this, because it's one thing to it was one thing on a clay court where she can actually like protect that side a bit more. We saw her play really well last year when she got to the French open final and she was able to hide that weakness a lot better. But at this point it feels like it's really kind of in her head and she's not able to swing freely whatsoever on that side or do any kind of consistent, you know, not even keep the ball in play longer than long enough for the opponent to make her feel rush. So I just felt like this was, um I, Bedosa tried to be really nice at the press conference afterwards but in some ways she didn't really have to do a whole lot to win that second set i feel like cuz her tactics were kind of were kind of spot on just stay away from the golf backhand and make uh, make coco generate all the pace and pace pace generation is one of the tricky things with the with the golf forehand with that really big take back and of course her footwork is a little bit lagging as she's running to that wing so she can't really accelerate as well and the grip is extreme too, but um, it's it's tough, I think. Uh, it, it's a tough watch for Goff right now, particularly the last two tournaments, I would say. I have a couple of points
1: actually I want to ask you about. Um, I mean, actually, no, I'll w- not ask, but sort of, I kind of maybe for you to want to respond on this as a question, but something that I thought I agree with you that, yeah, Goff didn't need to rush the forehand. I felt like she was trying to hit more forehands and kind of move pedossa around with the forehand and use it a lot more and i was thinking surely if the backhand is your strength she had time to run around and hit backhands if she wanted and i didn't understand why she wasn't doing that more um you obviously probably have a much better tennis tactician mindset than i do you can probably have some insight into why maybe she didn't try that um and then the other thing I just wanted to throw at you is actually we had a bit of a chat on the channel with one of our regulars, um, Ghost of Geraltis, or Ghosty, as we refer to him. Um, and he is of the view that he thinks that um, Goff's insistence on playing doubles is actually hurting her development, which seems to be very contrary view to maybe some others I've seen. And I wanted to kind of ask your view on that, because it's not an idea I've kind of considered.
0: Yeah, I haven't considered that because she's, you know, she got to number one last year in doubles. Her net play did improve quite a bit. And uh, I, I think she has, you know, obviously good chemistry with Pagula. I, I think it, you know, especially if there's two weeks master master events, it can actually be a great way for her to continue to develop her game and get some more, you know, like, because if you lose early now in these tournaments, there's a lot of time, like, before the next one uh, with, with these being 12 days. And so sometimes players just need like more reps. And I think um, playing doubles is probably going to be a, be a good thing. It's pretty good that she managed to be like top five in both singles and doubles at one point last year. Um, in terms of the four, in terms of the using the forehand a lot more and not running around it, I think she also is a bit, she's a bit stubborn in that area. Like she likes to, you know, at some points last year, I, I actually liked sometimes what she was doing on the forehand, which she was actually slicing a lot more on the forehand it seems kind of counterintuitive but she was finding other ways to like win points either by um like hitting it really deep and loopy and then coming forward and hitting a good volley off of it or she was uh mixing in a forehand slice uh, there and then like trying to force uh you know like her opponent to move in and then maybe she can defend with the backhand like she was just trying to get more backhands and just using the forehand as a changeup. and i think maybe she should go back to that uh because in this match, she was kind of trying to go play from the baseline with her forehand against Bedosa. And Bedosa hits the ball so heavy off of both wings that I just felt like it was sitting up nice and heavy for Bedosa. And then all of a sudden, when she wanted, she was in control. Because Bedosa, one thing I love about her game is she doesn't miss a whole lot. Like, it's mm. pretty high margin. So she can hit, you know, pretty pretty solid forehands and backhands without, without missing a ton and with pretty good depth. And I think that depth was actually bothering Coco a lot more than even just the sheer power that bedosa was bringing because power to power especially on the backhand i feel like goth can actually match match a lot of these top players but
1: and we, and we could yeah. see that like their backhand rallies were actually pretty strong um when when it did get backhand to backhand which actually wasn't that often um but with uh yeah with with bedosa, i think you i completely agree Provide she's not rushed and um yeah when she gets rushed things get interesting um mm-hmm from her perspective. Uh, just one more point on here that um, John's asking. Um, will we Can we say that neither Bedossa or Goff have won a slam in the next five years? So that would be 2028. 20, um, Goff would be 24. Bedossa would be nearly 30, like 29. Uh, I could definitely see that with Bedossa. I think there's some limitations there, or at least I have, best chance would be at Roland Garros if Iga had a bad year. Um, Gough, I think, um, has a lot more... I, I still think that age means she's got a lot more growth potential and we shouldn't be kind of definitively saying she's not going to win a slam in the next five years. Also, but like five years' time, that's what we might have been saying about Irina Sabalenka five years ago and she, she finally won one this year at age 24. So... Um, I'm not keen on writing Goff off yet in the next sort of five years. That'd be my answer to it. What would you say, Vanch?
0: Yeah, I think Goff is going to have a lot more bites at the apple, as you say, because she's got so many more slams left to play. And potentially if she does make the changes we all want on her forehand, which is for her to just take some more time off maybe and just (sighs) fix some of those technical issues, then I could see it happening for her, particularly at Roland Garros, where, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say Eva loses early or, you know, the draw opens up like it kind of did last year for her in a, in a good way to get to the final. And, you know, maybe she can give herself a chance. Podosa is, you know, it, it's strange. Like last year she got to number two in the world and she had such a good rise in 2021 and she won Sydney and everything was kind of going well. But then some injury question marks and also like her mental health sometimes kind of got in the way of her competing as hard as she would have liked on a regular basis. So it, it feels largely mental for me with Podosa in a lot of these situations because – and she's kind of talked about that as well. Like she really felt the pressure last year, entire Netflix episode on her performance at Madrid, basically, because mm-hmm. she's five or 10 minutes, he lives five or 10 minutes away from this tournament and she takes it extremely seriously, like bigger than any major event. And I could see why, because that's, you know, it's her home event and she grew up here. She has all these memories. She wants to win it for the crowd. Um, but in terms of, in terms of winning a slam, like, she seems to do well in Australia as well, and at mm-hmm. Roland Garros, in the past. So I could see it, I could see it happening at some point for her. But I just, I just don't know. With Iga being so strong, and like these, uh, she's she can certainly hang with a lot of these top players. But now the question is, like, is she gonna get her ranking back up to the top five or top ten, and keep, kind of give herself more chances, or is she gonna sort of be still searching and looking for that big win? Like, if she does really well this week. That will go a long ways in her getting back to where we all think she des- deserves to be, which is certainly in the top 15, top 10. And then there's a lot of possibilities.
1: Yeah, she definitely deserves to be top 10, top 15. Um, last word on Goff, I agree. She's going to have more bites of the apple. Um, and I, I think she's got more apples to pick from. I think she's going to be a contender at Wimbledon. I know that uh, her game limitations maybe shouldn't suit grass, but yet she's she's never... She's got to at least the third round in all three times she's played. She got to the fourth round on debut, um, lost to some very, very good players. Um, I think that maybe she's she's a comfortable natural surfaces player, maybe because of her movement. Um, so I, I think she's got to she go to Wimbledon. And I could also see a scenario where the crowd carries her to a US Open title um, at some point. So... Yeah. Um, she I,
0: certainly I, has like that X factor in terms of like star power, I would say, Coco. Yes. And uh, she has sort of everything else except for the forehand right now in terms of her game. I would say the second serve is sometimes she has a bit of some technical issues with it, but uh, I think that's improved compared to a couple of years ago and it's more the forehand. Yeah. did you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like every a lot of players, you could say the second serve could be better, um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think at the minute after watching that Padosa match the forehand definitely uh, was lacking something. Um but you'd have to ask her about it. I mean, look, we 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 can kind of keep on going. Look at the forehand, look at the forehand, look at the forehand. Um not none of us are her coach. Um yeah.
0: and she's she's going to get a new coach soon uh, because yeah, yeah uh, she they split she split with Mojano. so.
1: Well, um Rene Stubbs said she was available last week um, and <laughs> So maybe it'll be her. Um, we're going to stay in this section because I think there's a couple of other stories that are worth touching on. Um, talking about Goff and Bidossa for the last 10 minutes or so, but I do want to talk about Rebecca Masarova and Maria Zachary. Um Masarova, I thought had a really impressive run. If you look at her draw, um, Christina Buxer is climbing her way up the rankings um, has had some unexpectedly good results given um, her game, um, which seems a little underpowered, but works really well on clay. Um, and then Masalva beating her in a good fight, then beating Vekic, uh, which was a good win, given how strong Vekic is coming on at the minute. Um, but then running into Sakari and getting that first set. And I think that Sakari match for, for, for the Greek um, that's kind of her turning around a match that typically in the past, she, we would have expected to lose at a certain point, um, kind of going down, uh, being a bit down and, uh, kind of fighting her way back into it, like, but losing to an underranked player, she could have easily just crumbled like she has in the past. So, um, I think that's a very interesting win for Maria Sakkari. What are your thoughts on those two stories?
0: Yeah, it's cool that we have a Sakari Badosa clash, uh, kind of yes. rematch of Indian Wells. I want to say last year in the semis. Yes, so that's, oh, that was
1: a good one. I remember that.
0: Yes, so um, if that's anything to go by, this should be a really, should be a really good match and pretty competitive. Um, yeah, Sakari has made a made a bit of a habit of uh, of winning some matches from from a set down. I would say this year, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you look at her like Indian Wells run. Almost every right. single match, she was coming back from, like, a set down. Like, a set in a breakdown against Rogers. I think a set in a breakdown against Kalanina. And I think, like, after that, she played Pliskova. She beat her. It was like she was down a break in the third. And then Kavitova as well. Like, I remember Kavitova totally, uh, it seemed like Kavitova was going to make the semis for the first time in Indian Wells. And she was, Sakurai was down, like, 4-6, 1-3, 15-40, like, in danger of just being breadsticked in that second set. And then she's just, just found a way to sort of turn it around. And she plays really well. I think when the back is against her, against the wall, it's when she has to close, close these big matches that I feel like the pressure sometimes gets to her. And maybe that mental block of having been in so many semis and finals weighs on her, but i like these conditions for her. I actually quite like it because I, I think she, she's pretty strong and athletic and she uses her forehand. Uh, well. in when the, when the ball is bouncing pretty high, like shoulder height, I feel like she can take the ball early on the rise and maybe do some damage. And it's at least fairly consistent what she's going to do. And Mm -hmm. at sometimes it's a bit too predictable against the very best players. So maybe Bedosa will have a good read on that. Um, But uh, this is, this should be a pretty interesting, interesting match and it could go either way. I think actually.
1: Yeah, I can't call it. I can't call it. I'm super excited about it. I'm, I'm going to have to look up what time it is tomorrow. Um, I'm hoping I can catch it. Um, but that would be... I I'd Probably, if it's a Spanish play, it's probably going to go late. But we'll see. Um, with, uh, But I agree. I think it's going to be a good match. It's going to be some cracking rallies um, between two. Um, I can't call it. I think whoever wins it is going to be the favourite against either Samsonova or Begu in the quarterfinals, which would be very interesting if they're playing Sabalenka in the semifinals um, yeah. for that one. Uh, Yeah, Yeah,
0: pre-tournament, I had Badosa and Sabalenka meeting in in the semi. So I'm just going to stick by that just because, yeah, I don't like to go against my pre-tournament picks.
1: Neither do I. Neither do I. Um, I think either Badosa or Sakari against Sabalenka would be interesting. I think the more interesting the two might be Badosa. Just to see what she could do a bit more. Maybe the Spanish crowd will carry her a bit. I don't know, but then maybe the pressure will get to her. Um, I think Sabalenka might have a little bit more over both of them. But it depends on how comfortable she is. Um, but yeah, um, uh, and uh, that's going to be that's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So let's move on to uh, the sex- next section. Um, so we went down to the top part of the draw. Um, so we're, those of you who've been commenting asking opinions about eager, don't worry, we will get there. Um, but I sorry, just need to tweak this. There we go. Right. Um, let's see what I've got showing on screen. Just need to scroll across. We've got some long names on this one. Um, so I'd say from the, the, the kind of the stories that I'm picking up here, um, I think uh, kind of in terms of like new stories, I think... Um, it was nice to see Pavliachenkova doing well, having beating um uh, Jimenez Katsanseva. Um that was a I marked that down as a potentially interesting match, ended up being really close, nine seven in the deciding tiebreak, tie break. Um, and then losing to Kasakina. Um uh but yeah, I, I think it's the first time in a while has played, and it was kind of good to see her back um kind of producing some really good tennis.
0: Yeah. She's still fairly young as well, so I think uh she certainly has as she was telling John in one of the talking tennis um interviews that she certainly has no plans of retiring or stopping and so that's good because I think she has she still has quite a bit of good tennis left in her, yeah. and it wasn't too long ago that she was in the French open final, so nice yeah. to see her back and healthy yeah
1: yeah exactly um I think the other points two points I think we're gonna keep going with Russian players here because they're the ones I think um standing out to me. Potapova um, losing to Kut- um, her kind of having a couple of really good ma- uh, close matches with Christiane and then just narrowly losing to Kutimatova. Um Again, Potapova showing herself to be kind of competing well um, at the minute, um, producing some really strong results. Um, Kasatkina finally going deep in a tournament bigger than a 500. I didn't have a lot of faith in her to do that. Um, but mm-hmm. Um, she, um, but she's now in the fourth round, she's playing Kutamatova, which I think could be a very, uh, interesting clash.
0: Yeah, it could be. That's a rematch of the last year's Roland Garros quarterfinal. Because Akina is a very fascinating player for me because, um, she has a lot of variety in how she plays. Very, very fun to watch. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting personality as well. Um, but it's amazing because she has one of the worst second serves in the top 50. And yet she's somehow so still like managed to be eight in the world, which is pretty impressive because uh, that means she's so good at almost everything else. And sty- stylistically wise, it's, it's a great contrast. Every time she plays like a big hitter or particularly um, I was watching her match against Jabora in Charleston. That was a really fun watch. It was basically flair against flair and it was, it was a pretty tight two set match. And so that gave me kind of some hope that I think on the clay, because is definitely comes into the picture a lot more and I could see her like playing closer to the level that she was at last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's that's good to see and should be a fun match against Kurum Kurumitova. She beat um she she picked up two nice wins fairly straightforward. For the most part Pavlichenkova was a little bit trickier just because they're both friends and uh, some of the some of the points were were a bit tough um physically for mm-hmm. for for Kasakina but she ended up getting it done and, and then more straightforward against Serenko. But uh, this match could this match would be interesting because, you know, I might favor Kurumatova a little bit more in these conditions. But it's a tricky one to tricky one to call, just because um yeah like Kudermetova might get more help out of her serve and Kasakina might have to work way too hard to hold. But I could see that being fairly close.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be close. I think they're both. I I, I agree. They're both kind of disruptors on the tour. They're both kind of really they're pretty sort of when they're on. Uh, they're kind of consistent matches for the top players and can get a, a, a good win over them. Um, I really enjoy they watching Kasakina. They both
0: do really well at the 500 level. like yeah. They both go pretty consistently deep. So that's... Yes.
1: So, so it, it's going to be an interesting... That's going to be an intriguing battle. I, I love watching Kasakina. I love the flair that she brings. Um, I like when she decides to fight how scrappy it gets. Um, so... Um, I'm definitely, I definitely think that one's worth, um, keeping an eye out for. Um, yeah. all right. Um, let's go up a section two, uh, section One more three.
0: Point. Matova. I really like her service yep. motion. It's very, uh, it's very fluid and, uh, she, she's able to get quite a lot of pop and power for someone her size.
1: Yeah, that's true, actually. I forget, like, often when I watch her, I go, oh, yeah, she doesn't have a lot of height on her. Um,
0: yeah, but the serve is, is pretty good, I'd say. she's She gets uh, some good plus ones, and she's, she's able to get more out of that shot than you would think, so that certainly bodes well on courts like these.
1: All right, here, we're, inter- we're into an interesting section of the draw because I think, sort of, this quarter of the draw I kind of saw as wide open with Pagula being the marginal favorite to kind of get through. Um, well, maybe the, the significant favorite because, um, you have to have playing a very good day to beat Jessa Pagula a lot of the time, and so far her journey through the draw has kind of shown that Freck and Bushkither, um, yeah, close, close sets, but Pagula. Um, kind of still coming through as you would expect um I would say um I think three kind of names more slightly below that kind of standing out to me is hmm those were interesting stories um Martina Trevisan alicia parks and Eugenie Bouchard um yeah for for vi- for various different reasons um we won't talk about the off-court stuff or the tweets um I don't necessarily think that's relevant but Um, Bouchard seems to enjoy playing in Madrid Um, so and I think even though a lot of people don't like her for stuff like the tweet um, I would say that um, I I, I think it's better to have her playing well um, in tennis if anything just to give us an interesting story um, especially given kind of the the success she had about 10 years ago, 9 years ago um, so I'm, yeah. I was, I was happy to see her get that result.
0: Yeah, same. Um, she, she played really well in the in the qualifying and, uh, and then like one, won this match against just I was pretty pumped. And of course we know about the tweet, but, <laughs> but she, and of course we know also five years ago, she ended up playing really well against Sharapova and then made it all the way to the quarters and then eventually ran out to a better player. But, um, it, it, it's good because at least it shows that Bouchard is capable of top 75, top 50 level tennis in yeah. the future. And maybe, you know, if she can stay fit, she can certainly get there. Because we saw in 2014, she was able to perform on all surfaces. Obviously the Wimbledon final, but also a French Open semifinal, Australian Open semifinal, finished top five. So certainly proved it for a whole season, not just one tournament. So I think she's, she has that level in her. And so that's, that's, that's a good story, and then Parks was a good story as well because she's really struggled since winning in on. and she she's particularly struggled outdoors, with uh, with her technique and how she hits the hits the ball and the the higher bounce doesn't always tend to do her favors. But in these conditions with the big serve, which she has one of the best serves in the game, um, both in terms of like consistent miles per hour and aces, and she was able to get a lot of free points, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Yeah, like played pretty well against Azarenka. Azarenka hasn't really played it that well since the Australian Open semis, but it was still a pretty good win. And Azarenka was, it looked, it seemed like Azarenka might get her teeth into this match and we might be headed for a deciding set, but Parks did well to fend her off. And then today she just lost to, I think, a more experienced clay court player in Trevisan, who's who's obviously has uh, a lot of pedigree on the surface. So I wouldn't say that's a bad result.
1: No, I don't think so either. Um, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, because like, everyone's kind of painting Alicia Parks as an indoor specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not wrong, but kind of goes back to what you were saying about Madrid feeling like an indoor tournament and these kind of conditions kind of playing into uh, Parks' strengths. So, uh, yeah, I think I agree. Sort of what she what she can produce and what she has produced is, is a good sign for her at this tournament. Um mm-hmm trevisan i think is a player a lot of people have written off in the past um uh, yeah. maybe seeing that quarterfinal in 2020 is a fluke or even the semi-final last year is a fluke but um she's backing up things up with like that united cup performance that she put in um she's getting some good clay court results last 16 at madrid is a very very good result and maybe about what you would expect for someone of her kind of clay court caliber so um i'm really pleased to see her kind of backing up that potential that she's displayed in flashes over the last couple of years
0: yeah she's certainly a very smart player as well she knows she's not the doesn't have the biggest firepower but she moves the ball around the court very well and she's tricky because lefty she can hit a lot of good angles she can uh, wrong foot her opponents and and uh yeah i mean she competes really really hard Pagula said afterwards today that she's really loud and very feisty <laughs> so yeah. uh so that so now they'll play each other in the fourth round uh, certainly because expect he... Mugula to get through that, though, just yeah. with her, her experience and how consistent she's been. She hasn't played her very best tennis yet, but so far she hasn't needed to, and she stepped up when she needed to in both tiebreaks, um, particularly against Buschkova. She played a very good second set tiebreak. I watched some of that. Um, and she loves these conditions. Like She was set away from winning this thing last year. So I expect her to go pretty deep as well.
1: Yeah, before getting probably to be a little too tight against Chibur. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things we underrate about Pagula is the fact that most of the time she actually does win without having to produce her best tennis. And yeah. I think because we don't see the top level results when she is pl- having to play her best against their best, doesn't always work. But um, I think the fact that she doesn't need to against the rest of the field is a massive compliment to her. Um, and and something that she should be proud of with that level. There's a reason why um, she's world number three, and I would agree with your assessment that she's probably making it through that match with Traversan. Um The court conditions will probably favour her slightly more. Um, I think the Italian probably prefers the slower stuff.
0: Yeah. Also, good to see Svidalina back. Uh, yes. And playing well. Uh, she's yeah, actually playing pretty pretty well for someone who's been off for for over a year and just had a kid and she's uh, certainly, like, she's not winning these matches yet, but she's, seems to be pretty close to winning one or two in a tournament and getting back to where she was at before.
1: And look, so is it, tennis is better off with Svitolina, the former top 10 WTA finals champion, multiple 1,000 winner. Um, Yeah, I would would be up for seeing Svitolina coming back and I am, I like you, I'm very impressed with the results that she's achieved straight back after hitting the court. So, I mean, she's come close to some wins that in the matches that she's lost. Um, yeah. So yeah, good spot for that story there. Banch. I was, wasn't sure whether to talk about that, but you absolutely right to pick up on that. Um, so obviously Pagula or Tr- Pagula is probably going to be uh, we're saying that the favorite to beat Trevor San, Um And then she played with the winner of the Russian clash of Kudumatova and Kasakina. I'd make Pagula the favorite in that one again. Um, again, very similar similar sort of players who kind of get through the rest of the competition and then maybe hit a ceiling. I think Paguda's seeing is slightly higher than uh, Kudumatova or Kasakina, and I expect yes. her to make the semis.
0: Yes, I had her in the semis uh, pre-tournament as well, and I definitely think...
1: This draw's falling well yeah. for you, Vanch, isn't it? <laughs> uh,
0: yes, although we'll get to a more interesting section later, and we might have some disagreements there
1: ah right okay that's that could be i I don't know actually i don't know i think you're making some assumptions based on my um uh preferences for players but um we'll see right um few stories from this section i think um i think I think, uh, this this bit. Uh, we're getting near to the top of the draw now. Um, hopefully, people don't mind um, us chatting a little bit longer. Um, I certainly don't.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so, um, I think there's a number of stories here, um, not necessarily um, ones we need to touch on in great detail. Um, I'll summarise what I think, and you can pick up on the ones that you find most interesting. Um, so, for me, um, spot is uh, Brenda Vitava the other teenager um, got a set against Kalinskaya. Um uh, she uh, got a set against Kalinskaya. I thought she might get that one, didn't quite pull it off, um, but still a very impressive result for um, the count um, sort of the, the whatever you call it, um, counterpart uh, peer of um, Andreeva Andreva in the other half of the draw. Um Karen Sky actually having a very good tournament because she beat Elena Rabakina and was almost a set away from a fourth round appearance. Um, so that's one to note. Rebakina's loss caught me out a little bit. I mean, I know that um, she's coming off a little bit of an injury from Stuttgart. Um, but I thought these conditions would suit her. So I'm a little bit surprised that she's not playing Kradzikovir in the last 16. Um, Lara Siegmund got a nice uh, boost um, from the talking tennis attention to get through Oscar and then put up a decent fight against Petra Martic. Um, and then the, just to round off on other stuff to spot that I've spotted, um, Bianca Andreescu, I wasn't expecting her back so soon. Good on her for coming back and um, giving us another great battle as she always does against Zhu uh, Wang or Wang Zhu. Um but, of course, the the big name in this section was Barbara Krajikatha, um so far solidifying potentially both our opinions that um she's the favorite to get through this section, regardless of how Rebeccana did. um and she's certainly making the most of an easier draw than she's had in recent times. So, yeah, pick up on any of those stories that you might that might interest you,
0: yeah, certainly Rebeccana and K- K- uh, kalinskaya is going to be an interesting rivalry to watch for the next however many years they play because. They're okay. pretty similar in ages, and they had a very good match in Miami, actually, in the first first round, and that one went Rybakina's way, obviously, the confidence from winning Indian Wells, and maybe this one just went the other direction because, like you said, she was coming back from, you know, adjusting from Stuttgart, and then the, the back injury potentially still bothering her, ran out of gas a little bit in that third set. Uh, but, yeah, a little bit surprising that she wasn't able to come through, I would say. I certainly had her coming in the fourth round and playing Krajikaba. Same. Um, before I before I saw this, but uh Kalinskaya is certainly a player to watch out for and I think the peak level for her is pretty high. But it's just a matter of can she do it c- can she do it consistently and tricky match against a Martich was very difficult on clay because she's she has such a good backhand slice. She moves the ball around really well. She's quite clever, likes to come forward like pretty pretty experienced. Like been been to second week of Ron Garros before. So I would say this is uh, this section is—it's not too surprising that she was able to sort of take advantage uh, of Count Skaya, um, like being unable to back up the win. But uh, the the other story was, yeah, rescue for me as well because, yeah, she, that that seemed like a very serious injury in Miami when she, when she fell, and that was really sad to watch. But seems like she can actually get back to form much sooner. Um, I'm not expecting too much from rescue particularly on clay and maybe even for the grass just because her best results have seemed to come on the hard courts. And uh, she might need a little bit of time to just uh, come back and get to that really good level that she was at in Miami where she took out Raducanu and was like really making her way into the draw and potentially could have had a really deep run in Miami the way she was playing, um, even though she lost that first set against Alexandrova. But in in this match, she just couldn't quite close it out. Like she was up 6-3-3-0 and uh, before Wang like, came back and then played a little bit too good in the th- in the third set. But um, yeah, Krajikova, I think, is the favorite to get out of the section. She's looked pretty good so far. Dropped that mm. one set against Kovinich, but then uh, the last three sets have been fairly comprehensive. So I expect her to get to the quarters.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. And like nice no sight against Martic. She's a very, very good player. But I think Krajikova is currently in a, The kind of the better form right now um but yeah lots of interesting stuff going on there um all right final section of the draw and we're back to the top of the list um and a few few kind of um not necessarily many stories from this section um I was surprised Bernardo Perra maybe got as far as she did. I didn't have her down as a clay quarter, but again, Madrid's a little bit different, will suit the bigger hitters a bit more. Um, I think Igor Sviontek getting to where she is, no surprise. She seemed to be fairly comfortable against Grabher and Perra. Um, I think for me, the interesting thing is the defending semi-finalist, or at least I don't know you, no, do maybe that was 2021 she got to the semi finals. Um no,
0: no you're right she made the semis last year. Last Alexander. year. Okay. Yeah.
1: Got right yeah. Yeah, Alexandrova um getting there. Um I thought it'd be Zhang Wen. Um I thought we'd have a Shionte Chin-Wen last 16 which I was kind of a little bit interested to see how that would go but Alexandrova again showing that um she's got a little bit more uh, to her game and uh, is producing some really really strong uh, strong results. So um, yeah, good on her for backing up a good chunk of the points she's trying to defend. I'd say that's probably the the name I'm seeing here that's interesting me the most.
0: Yeah, Alexandrova is interesting. I thought um, I thought Zhang would have been as well, and I thought that before <laughs> last year as well. Like when it was Zhang and Niemeyer in the third round, I thought, oh yeah, we're gonna have Zhang against Fyontek in the fourth round, but. Then Niemeyer took her out, and kind of same thing here. Um, didn't get a chance to watch this young Alexandrova match, but I know that Alexandrova is really tough to beat in these conditions because she's a really big server. She hits her spots really well, and when she's feeling it, she hits really flat, particularly off her forehand, and she can really, she plays really good like first-strike tennis and uh, lots of power. Like uh, Made the quarterfinals of Miami as well. Likes the faster conditions, I would say. So, this isn't too surprising considering last year she was in the semis. Um, she seems to be a more streaky player, but when her when she's on those weeks, she she tends to go pretty deep. So I think uh, that's that's good because yeah, Corneille is also not easy, pretty crafty player. So she's gotten through these these two matches, and I'll be very interested in the match against Fionte because that could get that could potentially get tricky. I remember they played each other in Ostrava. I want to say in October, and that was a three-setter. And uh that was indoors, indoors on hard court. I certainly still expect Shiantek to come through it, but uh, you know, may maybe tested a little bit more than she's been in the first two rounds. Uh yeah, fukia is asking, is Alexandra a difficult opponent for you got certainly difficult than than her last two opponents were, I would say. Um so yeah, chantek is probably gonna to have to be on it right from ball one.
1: Yeah, Fakir asked that about an hour ago when we were going through the other half of the draw. Um, so hopefully, if you're still watching Fakir, we finally got to your question. A um, few people asking about Svantec and how that's going to go. Um, I agree. I, I, I think I, I think it could be interesting. Um, I know that they have a bit of a scrap. Um, I think with the level Svantec brings, um, I think it takes a certain type of calibre of player to bring her down based on sort of previous achievements. Yeah. Um and I don't think Alexandrova fits into that. Um could say taking a set, but um I don't see her winning that match. So
0: I yeah, think... I'm in agreement as well. I think uh I think Iga's still a total step <laughs> above on clay. Uh and I, I don't really see her losing, but I could see it being I could see it being tight, maybe one tight set, maybe Alexandrova speaks to set. Which I think the... uh, I think Very... these conditions just Keep like going. I think people have been comparing it to like Rafa in mm. Madrid, comparing it to Iga because Rafa's only won this thing four times on clay <laughs> <laughs> compared to like the 12 in Barcelona and like the 10, 11 in Monte Carlo and 10 in Rome and 14 in RG just because of the altitude. And like, it's it's easier to maybe rush the forehand a little bit more. And you can you, you can see like she hasn't played this event a whole lot think she's only played. She's only played this once, right, Fiontek, and that was so, in twenty one.
1: Yeah. Maybe where, twice. I don't know whether she played it in twenty nineteen.
0: Yeah, I think so. This is just her second appearance.
1: Okay, so which is might be a bonus for her because I think when the one time she did play, she lost to Ash Barty, who yes. was in really good form.
0: Right, and Iga is not the Iga that we know now. So I think mm. there's very little data for Ega still in Madrid at this point. But so I would certainly expect her to win Madrid at some point in her career. You know. But uh, yeah. maybe this will end up being like it was for Nadal, where she's going to have a lot more success in Rome and Roland Garros. And this could potentially be the one where her rivals are closer.
1: I, I would agree. I think, uh, like you are saying, with the rushing beforehand, conditions enable that a lot more compared to other clay courts. But having said that, you could say the same about Stuttgart, maybe. I mean, on paper, would Iga maybe struggle there more than Madrid?
0: Potentially. Maybe with the altitude, uh, it's like a little harder to control the ball whereas indoors it's at least uh like there's no outside conditions or factors so maybe that plays plays a role i also thought iga was serving pretty well in stuttgart maybe those conditions actually helped her her serve cuz especially on 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 clay particularly in the final against sabalenka i think she only faced one break point that was the most impressive match for me that Iga's played played all year in a really big spot yeah. so after that i'm like i i can't really bet against iga because um yeah if she's playing this well in stuttgart on clay then that's uh, that's quite scary for the rest of the field, for particularly Roman Roman Garros.
1: Mm. Uh, w- well, look, this if if we have a Svante sh- going through, that potentially sets up a very juicy quarterfinal clash with Barbora Krijikova. Yeah, and I'm finding that one very hard to call. Same, but the reasons that we that we've kind of outlined, um, I've done the pessimistic fan thing and gone with <laughs> I don't want to jinx my player. Right. And I've gone with Krajikova to win it. And uh-huh. um, I think, you know, if you're going to, given Krajikova has clearly the tools to trouble Iga and she's in a um, a place where it is easier to trouble her on clay and Krajikova is very comfortable on clay, this is a scenario where she could win that match. But um, I could also equally see an opportunity of Iga going, nope, you are not winning three matches against me in a row. This is um I am this is Clay. I beat you on Clay. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a hard one to call, but that's another one that, that's gonna happen on Tuesday, which is annoying. No, I might be able to catch it. Depends on what time I get back from work. Um but uh I'm looking forward to seeing how that one plays out.
0: Yeah, that's the quarterfinal I had in my pre-tournament mm-hmm. as well. And I also went with Krajikova just because of mm-hmm. for the reasons I was like, okay, you know, if because it's Madrid, because Krajikova has won two finals against Iga, you know, because maybe she's, you know, the the difficult matchup being, like, just how good uh, Kritikova is able to return. Like, she was in Dubai, faster courts there. Similar, she'll get more help on her serve. Like, I sort of, sort of started to think, like, about the X's and, X's and O's, and I went with Kritikova, but I would be completely unsurprised if Shantik just comes out and wins against her three and two and sort of has revenge. A bit like how Sabalenka has been doing to Krachikova the last few tournaments, because they seem to meet almost every single week now. <laughs> it just seems to be a thing.
1: <laughs> which, which you know, maybe they're destined to play each other in the final yeah. um, in Madrid. Uh, Madrid. That, that's the team.
0: final that I had. Um, Me too. As well, so.
1: um, and I actually went back and forth on who I thought would win that final, actually. I
0: ended up going with Sabalenka just because Same. Of the last two.
1: Um, But I I did think, looking back on that Dubai performance from Krajikova, yeah, she was aided a little bit, maybe by Svantec being sick. But um, I don't think it made a difference to how Krajikova herself was playing and playing very, very well. And I think that Dubai title was Krajikova having an incredible week and showing what level she can produce, which is very, very impressive.
0: Yeah. Certainly. And, uh, uh, like, you know, that goes down as maybe one of the best runs I've ever seen just because she beat four top 15 players and she beat number world number one, two, and three in the same week, which is like, you know, that's, that's like her announcing herself again. And we know she hasn't really liked the idea of there being a new big three on the WTA. And she sort of felt like she's not quite gotten the respect that she deserves. And so maybe winning a title like this or getting to another final, or beating one of the top players again would would get her because I also think she's extremely underranked at twelve or thirteen, like
1: Yes. Um, oh for sure. She just like
0: just like Rabakina at seven feels very low, just like it's the same for Krajikova. Krajikova needs to be both, top ten. Yeah. They're both sort of top five players in my book.
1: Yeah, agreed. I, like there is a clear right now in terms of sort of results in the early part of 2023, a top five. If you want to include pagula
0: yeah i think i would put, include Pagula as well just because yeah consistently getting to semis
1: mm. which i expected to do again i i would expect whoever sh- pagula played in that semi be it Kudjikova or Shviontek, that player is going to have the advantage um in that semi and then yeah whether it's eager or Kudjikova against sabalenka in the final that's going to be absolutely fascinating or it could be badossa and sakari in that final yeah. um But, like, we've got five players, I'd say, that are... uh, they they, you go. You've got your five players who you could see as potential finalists. I mean, uh, less kind of close on the Sabalenka versus either Badosa or Sakari thing, but could see it happening. Um, But, yeah, there's probably your five players if you're uh, one of a tournament, big picture, wanting to know who's going to win the tournament. Um, Sviontek, Krajikova, Sabalenka, Badosa, Sakari are your names to watch. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, we've been going for about an hour and a quarter. Um just wanted to, before um, kind of uh, signing off, um, I think I saw some chatter um, about the WTA power rankings video that I released uh, or we released last week um, where I went through based on the data from Charleston, Stuttgart, and last year's Roland Garros, who was kind of in my top ten, kind of power ranking, um that uh, in form ahead of the French um, French Open. Um, I'm not going to be looking at it again until and and adjusting it until we uh, we know who our quarterfinalists are. I will definitely be releasing an update after Madrid, uh, but sort of I think most of those players who are in there haven't necessarily had a bad tournament so far. Um, I don't know if you, did you, did you catch it? If not, I can recap it.
0: Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't exactly remember the order, but I remember mm-hmm. looking at it. It, it. Seen, it's, yeah. it seemed pretty more or less, the list I would have come up with as well. So, yeah.
1: Um, I think the the feedback I've been seeing is maybe Jabur was overranked, but um, I kind of justify it as if you look at purely on form and results, she has had better results on clay so far than Barbara Krajikova. Um, yeah, definitely. but that's literally and, it
0: yeah because Madrid and Rome last year were pretty pre- pretty major I would say like I you know I certainly after she won Madrid I didn't expect her to go that deep in Rome and she could have easily lost any number of those matches even the Kasakina match in the semis and some scares before so it was good to see her like back that up and I and I hope she's like healthy again because it would yes. be a shame if she was not able to play Roland Garros or Rome and uh Because that injury did seem quite worrying. Yeah, she Um, said it
1: was a tear, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, So those take like some weeks to heal. And so she might be in doubt for Rome. And then hopefully... Definitely in doubt for Rome. Hopefully we'll see her at the French because she's got like... She lost last year in the first round to Lynette. But certainly I think if she'd gone through that, and I remember her draw last year at Roland Garros, she could have gone really deep and with a chance still could
1: have been in the final
0: Could have been in the final against Igor so it's a bit of a shame yeah. but I think I certainly have her as one of the best quick word players just because yeah she's performed at every single place except for Roland Garros I don't believe she's been past the fourth round yet no but yeah I, I would expect that to change
1: yeah I would too um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. And also let's face it, the world's a better place when Arn Jaber is fit, healthy, yes. and happy. Um yes. uh, if
0: so... is giving her a hug at the net. That should tell you something. <laughs> that yeah. should tell you how how, how liked Jaboris. Uh,
1: and we need lots of we need lots of um, positive influences um in tennis, as many as we can possibly get. Um all right. Um Thank you, Vance, for coming on and kind of running through the big stories of the tournament so far. Um, I appreciate it's probably gone a little bit longer than maybe we both expected, um, but there have been a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Um, I will, uh, I will say, in terms of you know, which of the, I think I know what the answer is going to be, um, but which of the fourth round matches are that was going to happen over the next couple of days? Are you most excited for?
0: I'm excited for Bedosa and Sakari, just because I was there live for the Indian Wells semi-final, and it was a good, good quality match. Um, and I think that has the potential of being an exciting three setter that could have, like, the winner of that could go into the semis and potentially, like, have a stay say at the end of the tournament. And I think the crowd will be all in on Bedosa as a story. Um, yeah, particularly after last year because. You know, last year was heartbreaking for her that match against Halep. She wasn't really able to perform anywhere near her capabilities. So I think Mm. it'll be a good opportunity for her to rectify that a little bit this time around. Um, and then I'm also excited for Andreeva and Sabalenka. Yes. So those, those are the two that I'm most excited about.
1: Yeah. And they're both happening tomorrow, which is going to be wonderful. Actually, John, I'm going to quickly get the schedule up um, while we're talking, but yeah, completely, completely agree. Um,
0: well, and but, i'd also throw in shontek as well
1: uh, Alexandrova uh Okay. As well. so, yeah yeah um i would throw in kudratov and kasatkina um mm-hmm. just for that maybe slightly more uh kind of uh, the kind of variety we're going to get with that match yeah. um i'd say that was my second choice um and then um but definitely androva Sab- Sab- Sabalenka um it's hard to pin down because I, I want to see Andreva play well, but I'm also like, I'm expecting Sapalanka to kind of walk over her a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm trying to get my hopes up for that being a, a great match, but it's an intriguing one for those of us who want to see, get a glimpse of Andreva kind of standing s- starting yes. out. Uh, Maybe it with- has
0: a little bit of the and Goff vibes from 2019 in the fourth round.
1: Wimbledon which which yes. would you know Sabalenka would probably take because that means that um she's going to win the title off the back of that <laughs> um okay so in terms of the WTA schedule um the times on here are, 10 a, are in um GMT which means I've got to mentally work out um what time they all are um across the board and um, so um, the matches actually, st- the WTA matches to start with um, Sam Solover and Begu and Sharif and Mertens. That's 10 a.m. UK time, 11 a.m. Uh, no, it would be 9 a.m. Madrid time, uh, 2 a.m. your time, Vanch, yeah. um, sadly. Um, and Dreva Sabalenka is actually at um, midday UK time. So that's 4 a.m. your time. <laughs> I'll
0: be waking uh, up to that one, it seems like.
1: Okay. Um Kudamatova and Kasakina is pretty much straight after at twelve thirty-five. So those two are probably going to be at the same time. Um intriguing actually there. Actually, oh, all of the last sixteen is happening tomorrow. Um yes. which I didn't realise. Um Martic is happening in um we're expected to happen start around two p.m. UK time, um, which would be um again sort of six a.m. your time. Um Badosa Sakari gets underway, three p.m. UK time. Um kind of uh two pm uh European time if you're on that um and again that would be um a fairly early start for you uh lunch probably like seven a m um I'll
0: get up for will, that
1: one you get up for that one uh but also yes um you might be a bit tired um for, for the rest. Um I think uh those of you on the, the east coast that's gonna be an eleven a m start for you. I'm hoping getting the maths right here. Um eleven or twelve no, it's eleven a.m. Hang on. No, I'd be ten a.m. I I don't know anymore. I've lost track. Which one? Um, which one? East Coast, Eastern Standard Time.
0: Oh, for which match?
1: Uh, sakari Oh yeah, yeah, that
0: would be ten.
1: Ten a.m. Um, then Pagula against Trevor Sun Um, a couple of hours later. Um, so twelve midday Eastern Standard Time, five p.m. UK time. Um, four p.m. European time, Central European time. And then the finale starting at around 20 past eight, or at least sort of probably after the Bayer Sitsi pass match is Sviantek versus Alexandrova. and um, that's gonna be kind of the finale. They're putting Igor on at night a lot, which I'm not gonna complain about. Um so I'm excited. Okay, we've got some goods got some good WTA matches, and I'm gonna say this again. I actually am way more interested in the WTA matches that are happening tomorrow ahead of any of the ATP matches that are happening tomorrow um, on the whole a couple of intriguing clashes in the ATP side but for me WTA is going to be where it's at for last 16 day tomorrow
0: yeah uh, ATP is still finishing up their third round they're in the bottom half of the third round and I think most of the intrigue for me anyway on the ATP has been the top half Mm. more so than the bottom um, obviously, the, the exception being the team sets apart match yesterday. That was pretty intriguing. But um, after that, I would say I, I agree with you. Um, it's the WTA tomorrow that takes the show.
1: Yeah. So in terms of if, if, if I'm going to, like, say, binge watch tennis um, tomorrow, I'm probably going to start the day with um, Samsonova against Begu maybe. Um, or the Sharif Mertens, like they start at the same time, could go interesting, but I think day really kicks off with um, Andreeva and Sabalenka and um, see how that goes. And then um, if it's becoming a walkover, I may switch over to Kudumatova-Kasakina. Um, Krujikova-Martic could be an interesting fight, but I think the day really kickstarts when we get to Bedos-Sakari, followed by Pagula and Trevisan, and then followed by Sviantek and Alexandrova. So we're on for a good day of tennis tomorrow, and I'm very happy it's a public holiday in the UK um which um means I've got plenty of opportunities to watch. Um hopefully you get to catch some of it tomorrow Vance. Um thank you so much for coming on. Um and uh talking talking WTA tennis with uh, with me. Um been really nice to hear your uh, views on how things have been going in the draw.
0: Yeah, always great to talk to you Nick. Uh, really enjoyed it and this was a pretty thorough recap so. Yeah. It should be it should be fun to see how the rest of the tournament shapes up.
1: I'm looking forward to it greatly. And thank you to all of you watching um, who've been watching the stream or watching this back maybe. Um, sorry if, if uh, this episode's gone a little bit long for you, but um, I hope you enjoyed it. Like and subscribe uh, for more Madrid content. John is still on the ground, still sending us great interviews um, and we'll have plenty of commentary opportunities uh, tomorrow coming from um The Talking Tennis, I don't know about tomorrow, whether we've got any plans for commentary, but um, during the week, we're going to have some uh, great um, content coming your way and we're definitely going to be covering uh, the men's and women's finals. Um, But I just want to say thank you all so much for watching. We will speak to you soon. Have a good evening. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. And click that notification bell so you don't miss out on All Things Tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?